0: this. I could stay there, but I want to preach this because I feel like it's timely because of what my dad has been teaching. Have you not been blessed like immensely? Okay, me too. I mean, this, this past year, you know, the year of faith has been, I don't know about you, but I feel like it's absolutely rocked my world. Like I've had multiple times when it's like, I feel like I've had just like the, the, the revelation of the Lord just like dumping information in my brain. I feel like I've grown so much um, and I hope that you have too. And, and I feel like as we get ready to step forward into this year, as we have it on there, the year of great harvest, uh, one of the things that my dad, he, you know, he said, I'm sure he said it here, but he, he, I heard him say it, is that, you know, the year of great harvest sounds amazing, but it's actually a time when we have to really do the most work. Right? That we have to be the most on guard is this, it, during this season of the harvest because when the harvest is there and it's available, the enemy would love to be able to steal your harvest. Okay? I think it's called like the Midianite spirit, is one of those things with Gideon and the Midianites, right? The enemy loves to try to steal our harvest. And so it's a season for us to really understand what it looks like in order to assert that authority, the dominance over the enemy, so that we just don't call this the great year of harvest, but that each of us actually experiences the great year of harvest, okay? Because I don't know about you, but I don't like hearing prophetic words about the potential of what I could have, and then at the end of the year realizing that my life looks the same as it did before. I want to experience all that God has for me this year, okay? And it doesn't necessarily matter to me how much it is, but I want to experience all of it, right? I don't want to leave anything in 2017 that I should have got. I want all of it, and I feel like what God is doing inside of our hearts really at the beginning of this year is he's preparing us to understand what does it look like to actually begin to harvest, That there are actual things that we have to do, positions and understandings that we need in order to walk ourselves from a prophetic word of great harvest to actually experiencing great harvest in our life. And so as I began to, I was talking with the Lord today and I had like five different messages that I wanted to preach, okay? And, and I'm trying to put them all together, and I'm like, Lord, please. I'm like pacing in my house back and forth, thinking like, Lord, you really need to make this make sense to me, because I feel like I have so many different things that you want to say. And finally, it was like the, the, everything clicked together, and he began to speak to me about our understanding of what it looks like to walk in authority on the earth. Could I get an amen? Please. I mean, somebody love on me here, okay? And that everything really is, a, a, everything that we talk about is, is basically um, undergirding this revelation that we have been given authority. How many of you know in the Garden of Eden, the greatest thing that God gave to Adam was the authority that he had on the earth? The one thing that God told Adam to do is what, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Take authority, take dominion. This is why you were created. You weren't created to be subject to the things of life. You were created to call those things that be not as though they were. You have been created to Lord over the situations in your life. There is no storm that's greater than you. There is no situation that's greater than you. You have been given all of the authority to harvest every seed that you have sowed. So, we must understand then, what does it look like to assert the authority that God has given to us? Because we understand that everything that my dad is teaching us, right? You know, we're talking about confession. He's talking to us about the confession curve. Well, how many of you know that confession is the way that we exert our authority, right? A king exerts his authority not because he wears a sweet, awesome ring, Right? It's not because he lives in the awesome castle and sits on this amazing golden throne. He asserts his authority when he confesses something out of his mouth. Right? We l- must learn that the main thing that the enemy is trying to get from us is our authority. Whoever has the authority makes the rules. You have been given the right to make the rules that govern your life. You get to say what you want, and you get to say what you don't want. You want health? All right. You want prosperity? Well, all right. You get to have whatever you have been given the authority, but the enemy tries to make us powerless by telling us that we don't have that authority. And so if we go to Genesis chapter 3, this is the text that we're going to go from, and I'm going to whip through this. Genesis 3, we're going to read from 1 to 7, and it says this. I apologize if you don't have it yet. It'll probably pop up on there. It says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit of the trees of, of from any of the trees in the garden? And, and Eve responded, of course. We may eat any fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman said. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. You must not eat it or ever touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced she saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and suddenly they felt the shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig fig leaves together to cover themselves. Okay. The enemy was after the authority. Genesis chapter one, verse 28, is when God gives authority to man. He talks to Adam about taking dominion, right? He gives him the ability to name all of the animals, right? Tells him to subdue them, right? To tend the garden. He tells, uh, then he tells him to be fruitful, multiply, right? Take dominion and subdue over the earth. Genesis three, chapter one, Satan shows up and starts talking to Eve. And what does he do? The enemy's main objective is this. This is how he steals our authority. The enemy makes Eve question God. What does he say to her? You won't die. And this this was the thing that really stuck out to me is, is in Genesis 3, verse 2 and 3, Eve had a response to the thing that Satan said to her right? He says this, right? You you know, uh, he says, of course you may eat from, or or, or he said, what does it say here? Did God really say that you must not eat from any of the trees, right? And Eve understood, and she had a response. Then later on you read, and she says, you know, if we eat from the tree that's in the center of the garden, then we're going to die. The enemy comes to her and says, you're not going to die. And what does Eve say? Okay, I guess you're right, right? <laughs> and what does she do? She goes and she eats it, right? And then in, uh, it, they eat the apple, right? We know that there's separation from God. And in this moment, there's a loss of authority, okay? Does this make sense? I'm just trying to make a little bit of groundwork. Just let me work for a second. Luke chapter four, okay? Jesus is on his journey to receiving the authority, okay? We know that that was what Je- one of the main reasons why Jesus went to the cross was to what? Get back the authority, okay? That's why he makes a statement, right, that says, what well, all authority has been given to me, okay? He was going after the authority that Adam lost, okay? And so in, in Luke chapter four, Jesus is in this process of, uh, uh, of getting back the authority that God designed us to have, okay? And we know that at this point, this is when the, um, Jesus is led to go into the wilderness, Okay. And Jesus has the same experience as Eve does in the garden. Okay? What does the enemy do? The enemy comes to Jesus and tempts Jesus to what? To begin to question the goodness of God in his life. Okay? Because the enemy knows if he can get us to question God, immediately we lose our ability to have the authority. So we know. Three times the devil tempts Jesus, and every time, this is what I'm trying to get across, every time in Jesus' scenario, Jesus had a response to the enemy. Eve's problem was, she had a little bit of a, she knew a little bit about God, but then, I mean, Eve was, God bless you, Eve, up there. I mean, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> All the enemy had to do was say, no, it won't, right? And she's like, oh my God, like, that's awesome, right? Not that that's how all women talk or anything. It's just... But this was the thing is that the, the, the area where Eve got it wrong was she didn't have a response to what the enemy was saying to her. Jesus walks through the wilderness, right? No problem. Why? Because every time the enemy tried to get to him, Anytime the enemy tried to get him to question the goodness of God in his life, Jesus knew how to respond. So in John chapter 15, right? Okay, so we know in Matthew 28, 18, that's this moment when Jesus makes this statement, right? All authority has been given unto me. John chapter 15, Jesus tells me that he's the vine and I'm the branch, right? I'm in him and he's in me. So, if Jesus has the authority and I'm in Jesus, what does that mean? We have been given the authority. Okay? So, this is where I'm getting now. We've been given the authority. What do you think? Okay. So, over here, Eve's got the power. She's got the authority. What does the enemy come and do? Comes and tries to make her question the goodness of God in, his li- in her life. Jesus. Sweet Jesus. He's over here. Goes into the wilderness. He's on the, this process of getting the authority. What does the enemy try and do? Right? He tries to get him to question the goodness of God in his life. You. Me. Over here. We've been given the authority in Jesus. What do you think the enemy's going to do? <laughs> he's going to try to get you to question the goodness of God in your life, okay? And so the thing is, is that uh, we've been given this amazing authority, okay? I mean, scriptures that are like, you know, in John chapter 15, right? There's this statement that says, ask whatever you will, right? When we're in Jesus, there's like this place of carte blanche, right? It's like, you got a blank check, whatever you can think of, imagine of, whatever you could possibly ask, it could be done for you because you have all of the authority. Right, We read other scriptures that say that if you will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, that that mountain has to obey you. What's that talking to us about? That's talking about anything that's natural that might try to stand in our way. We've been given the authority to speak to that thing. Amen. The Bible tells us that, listen to this, this is amazing. We have the right to call those things that be not as though they were. Like, that is our right. That things that be not, like you might have a broken down car, which I did too at one point in time. I'm not, there's wrong with it. You have the right to call those things that be not. How do we do it? We learn when the enemy comes. And he whispers that thought in your mind. And he says, What? You won't die. Maybe he's not saying that to you. Maybe he's saying, You'll never get that car. You'll never get that healing. God's not that good. You can't experience any more of his presence. Do we have a response? How do we respond? How do we respond? Because you see, the thing is, is that when Eve didn't respond right, listen, even though she had all the rights, she had all the blessings, she had everything was going right for her, because she didn't understand how to respond, what? She lost it. But Jesus, Jesus was tempted, went through the same thing. Worse, actually. Eve was only tempted twice. She kind of fell off on time number two. Jesus was tempted three times. Yeah. She kind of dropped off early, you know. Jesus tempted three times, knew how to respond, and what? Experienced and saw and did everything that God had asked him to do. And so the enemy comes to us. I don't want to say the enemy because it makes him sound so tough. Let me tell you something. You aren't fighting the enemy okay? You're just not. The scripture says the enemy is a defeated foe. I'll tell you something, the thing that you're fighting against is your own brain, okay? It's your past situations, your past circumstances, your past failures, your past di- discouragements, the past times things didn't go your way. That, in our mind, is our enemy. Those thoughts that say, well, God didn't do it last time, those thoughts that say, well, you've been sick for two years now. Where's God been in the last two years? Those are the moments where we choose, how am I going to respond? How am I going to respond? Because the reality is this, if you believe in Jesus, then you must believe that you have authority. You can't believe in Jesus and not believe in Jesus at the same time. So we've, you've been given the authority. The question that we must continually answer is, do I believe that God actually is who he says that he is? Because you see, the enemy doesn't try to like get these thoughts coming in your head because he you know, really wants to bum you out. You know, he just really wants to wreck your day you know the enemy he doesn't care he's like so far-sighted. the enemy comes and tries to get you to start talking negatively over your car right not because you're like oh this stupid thing and it puts you in a bad mood he doesn't care about your bad mood he wants to steal your authority he wants to get you to question the goodness of God in your life let me tell you, every thought that you think either brings you closer to the revelation of who God is or farther away. You know, there's no middle ground. You know something? When I went away and I got married, because I got married and it was awesome, but I didn't work out the whole month of December. Oh no, gasp, people, gasp. Don't worry, I'm on my way back now. Don't fear, this bottle will be back. This is all good. How many of you know that when I went back into the gym, I didn't stay the same? Right. This is important. Yeah. Hmm. Sometimes we think that, now eh, you know, what, what does it really matter? Just because I wasn't actively trying to move forward, I was going backwards. You know, I went back into the gym and normally where I could lift a lot, I went back to the gym and I lifted a lot less. <laughs> <laughs> Right? We are either moving forward or we're moving. Every thought that you think is either taking you forward or take. There's no such thing as an idle thought. Right? That's why the scripture says that we're to take not some thoughts captive, we're to take every thought captive. Why? Because the enemy has a long game. Right? He's not trying to, he doesn't care whether you drive a Lamborghini or a bicycle. He doesn't care. His objective is to keep us stuck in a place where we never realize our potential, that literally the earth must bow its knee to you, that there is nothing in heaven or on earth That you do not have the authority over Jesus said it like this. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Literally, you have been given the keys to heaven itself. That when you pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. You're literally praying the culture and atmosphere of heaven to invade your life. Let me ask you this question. Is there any sickness in heaven? No. Is there any poverty in heaven? No. Is there any broken relationships in heaven? No. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That's our decision. But it starts when you sit in your car and you go to turn it on and it's like, vim, You know what I think? Or maybe it's even worse. It's just like got the. Like, You know that thing? You know when your battery's like so dead, it like does nothing, right? Let me tell you, that, that is when it starts. Let me tell you, if the enemy could steal Eve's authority by offering her an apple, we have to be on guard to realize the enemy tries to get in and sow small seeds. You see, the enemy knows about the year of the great harvest too. We must be wise to understand that everything that I think is a seed. Oh my gosh, I have two seconds left. I have such good points. All right. Heavenly Father I'm going to preach the end of this another time so you need to come back to church just put your hands out right now I'm telling you for some of us in this room myself included I feel like more than anything this was just uh, getting us back in line Hmm? wake up call You are so powerful. Think about it. You are so powerful. This is crazy. You are so powerful that every thought that you think matters. Think about that. You're literally creating everything that you think about. Take a sec, take a couple deep breaths. The Lord is restoring right now just things that we think about Him. Maybe you don't even know it. All those times when things didn't work out. All those times it should have, but it wasn't. Right now, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, we just dispatch you to go and heal hearts, heal brokenness, heal the hopelessness, right now, we're just declaring, God, that we're like Jesus, that we know you, we believe you. And so, Father, right now, Lord, I'm declaring over every person in this room, God, that you're turning up the authority in our lives, that you're making us aware of what's coming out of our mouth and you're turning up the power, just stand. If you feel like you want that, like you've been asking the Lord to just, you want the power to be turned up in your life. You want things that you say to start to matter. Father, right now, Lord, I'm declaring, Lord, over each and every person in here, Lord, that there won't be, Lord, that we will be like whoever that prophet was, who none of his words, they, were, they ever touched the ground, that it was like everything that he spoke about happened. Lord, we declare that we are those who have a guard on our mind and a watch on our mouth, God, that we aren't those that waver to and fro in the wind, but Father, we declare that we know you. We declare that we know you and we know your goodness, and we know your ways, and we know your desires for our life, that we cannot be shaken because we build our house on the solid foundation. We cannot be tossed to and fro, we cannot be convinced any other way than of your goodness, of your mercy, and of your grace in our lives. So heaven, we declare, be open to us this year. We're calling in the 30, we're calling in the 60, we're calling in the 100-fold return. We won't settle for anything less, in Jesus' name, we declare it. Father, right now. Lord, you're going, Lord, and you're making up our minds. You're making up our minds about these things. We're no longer looking at negative situations and thinking about them negatively. We're looking at those situations and seeing the opportunity for God to invade. We're not feeling bad about the bad things that happen in our life, but we're seeing and we're excited about the answer that God's about to bring to get us out of that situation. We don't fear the things that we don't know. We're excited because we know who's the one who's going with us. We thank you for that, Lord. We are not afraid. To say that I am not afraid. I'm not afraid. We are not afraid to step out and trust you. We're not afraid to lose our life in you, God, because we know that when we lose our life in you, we find the life we're looking for. And we speak to every thought that would be contrary to that, any thought that would try to get us to save our life. cast you out and we declare you'll never return we aren't afraid to get radical and give our lives to you Lord because we know Lord your word says to us that when we seek first the kingdom that you're taking care of the details I don't know about you but I think God can take care of the details a little bit better than me so I'm going to lose my life so I can find the life that he's given to me won't be tricked we won't be fooled to thinking that we could do a better job with our life than what God before the foundations of the world as he knit us in our mother's womb could do for us we don't think that we could do it better and we reject every lie of the enemy that would try to make us feel like saving our life is better than losing it we kick out any demonic force in this building that would try to sit in here and lie to us and tell us that it's too hard or it's too much or that preacher he's too crazy or this way doesn't work lord we choose to trust in you